ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. So I was a nice, compliant child, but there was a stage when I was about 12 or 13 when it dawned on me that my parents couldn't make me do anything. Like they might beg or cajole or threaten, but if I just wanted to dig my heels in and refuse, what were they going to do? Authority. It's an illusion, man. But what if you carried that thinking into broader adult civic life? I'm Tegan Taylor and this is Quick Smart, a show that feeds you big ideas in bite-sized pieces. So what happens when you try to opt out of the law? How does this play out in a courtroom? And what happens when the legal system disagrees? One person who spent a lot of time in courtrooms, for the right reasons, is Damien Carrick, and he's here to answer our burning questions. Hey, Damien. G'day, Tegan. So on your show, The Law Report, you've been looking into people who are trying to opt out of the law. They're called sovereign citizens or snappy sovsits for short. What exactly is a sovsit? Oh, well, they're a group of people who essentially think that the law doesn't apply to them. So they reckon that our federal constitution is a total nullity, our federal and state laws don't apply, our council laws don't apply. So, for instance, they might think, well, I don't have to pay rates because I don't acquiesce to the authority of the local council. And when they come to court to fight the case, they will get up there and they'll start launching into really long speeches where they might uh, quote uh, obscure American cases or quotes from the Bible or um, talk to the Magna Carta, the Charter of Rights from 1297 or, or the Petition of Rights, that's another document from 1697. All these documents are all very lovely. They're all very kind of uh, important, but they're not really relevant to whether or not you have to pay a parking fine. So there are people who just sort of say, the law doesn't apply to me, and they'll start waving documents in the air to kind of try and establish that argument. And no, it doesn't fly. And they often don't use their normal name. Yes. So the rationale for this apparently is that Many people feel that all the kind of bureaucracy and architecture which builds around a person, so like their driver's licence, their Medicare number, those sorts of things, these are institutions that people don't feel that they've ever acquiesced to voluntarily. It's just been imposed on them. So what they do in response to that is to say, no, I'm afraid I'm not the person on the court documents. I'm not John Smith. I am John of the Shire Smith or John of Smith Shire. And you've got it wrong. So you have no right to hear this case. I am not here. So you've been talking to a magistrate who's been talking to a lot of magistrates about it. What kind of vibe is a sit giving when they're appearing in court? Yeah, so so this bloke, Mark Douglas, he's a, he's a local magistrate in New South Wales and, and he, he's great because he, he, he's very mindful that when people come to appear before you in court, it's very important to them. So you've got to show them respect, you've got to hear them out. But gee whiz, what do they do when they come to court? Sometimes before a matter is going to come to court, they'll lodge three, four hundred pages worth of documents with the court and say, oh, you better read this before you hear my parking fine. They're basically people who just don't understand what the courts are designed to do and the parameters of the legal process. And they're trying to kind of take it off in this kind of tangential, irrelevant direction. So it's not just a 
curiosity, it's actually really adding stress to the court system. If someone's lodging hundreds of pages of legal documents before they arrive in court and the judge is expected to be across that first, there's no way that that could apply to every single person who's on the list uh, in that magistrate's court that day. Yeah, so Mark Douglas, he was asked by the Judicial Commission of New South Wales to, to write an article around sovereign citizens. So he thought... Okay, I've got lots to say, but it'd be also really good to get input from all my brother and sister magistrates. So at two regional conferences of magistrates in New South Wales, he thought he'd survey them and ask them, you know, what's your experience of sovereign sits? He asked them how often they come before the courts, right? And some said, I think it was five, who'd said that they'd had over 30 in the last six months. Is that a lot? Yeah, it is a lot in the sense that that's 30 people in one particular court in regional New South Wales. And then when he put them all together, I think it was about three or 400 over a six-month period. So that is that is quite a lot of people who are kind of mounting these sorts of very obscure, weird, I'm not here kind of arguments. So he, he gets these figures about the numbers coming to the court. And then he, the second question he asks them is, what impact does this have on the way your court runs? And the overwhelming response is this blows out our timelines because these people are coming to court and they're, they're, they want to kind of launch into these long speeches and we don't have time to do that because we might have 60 or 80 matters to hear in, in a single day in a court and we can't engage in this kind of irrelevant argumentation. And this impacts on us, it impacts on the other people uh, who are involved in a case and it also in impacts on all the other people who are kind of waiting patiently in the queue to have their matters heard. So it's it's having an impact, uh, a really important impact on everyone. So with the amount of sovereign citizens increasing, I mean, at the moment, what we're hearing is they're disputing parking fines and that sort of thing, but these are people who are trying to sort of opt out of the law. Is there a chance that they move in a more serious direction well, it's interesting that you say that. There was a case, I think, in WA where charges were dropped against a sovereign citizen. He had sort of called on his social media followers to arrest the Premier. And uh, so he was initially charged. Those charges were dropped. But it speaks to this idea of there's kind of this kind of community out there who feel that the law doesn't apply to them and at some point they can just do their own thing. And... Mark Douglas told me that he has received these letters from somebody who was a bit cranky at the way he was dealt with in the court, saying, I'm going to sue you. And he talks about what he calls a cloudy parallel legal metaplex, where there are these people out there who are living in this community where they kind of think that they are the people with authority and they are the people who can kind of take action. And there is, according to Mark Douglas, you know, we need to be alive to the possibility that these people might get more serious. Yeah, because this is sort of a bit of the ideology that was behind the January 6th riots in the US. There sort of seems to be a movement in the US that sort of seems like a more extreme version but in the same kind of realm as what we're talking about here. Absolutely. A, a, a disregard for the consensus in the community that we're, we're all subject to the law and we all have responsibilities to comply with the law as well as rights under it. But yeah, absolutely. It's, it's something to be you know, mindful of, no question. 
These people are presenting as quite independent, but it sounds like what they're saying is they're very much sort of singing from a very similar song sheet. How do people get into this sovereign citizen rabbit hole? I'm imagining that there's a lot of kind of uh, social media. I imagine there kind of be pockets of community feeling in parts of the country more than others. I think I understand northern New South Wales, for instance, is a particular hotbed. Interestingly, Mark Douglas also said that he was aware of certain people who had, as he described it, monetised or commercialised this, uh, who were kind of selling kits uh, to people online on how to run these sorts of arguments. So I think... I think there's, you know, the internet and the growth of social media is also a kind of a reason why these sorts of views um, and attitudes might be growing. So finally, is there anything that can be done about this? How is the legal system going to deal with this uptick in subsets? Well, Mark Douglas says it's about kind of communicating to people, you know, what the courts do, how they do it, being respectful, but being clear, concise and saying no. Uh, that, that's really what you need to do. But but I guess he came on to, to, to the law report because he wanted to kind of educate the population or, or the community more broadly about what this phenomenon is and trying to get the message out and hopefully dissuade people from trying to run these sorts of arguments in, in court and wasting everybody's time. Clear, concise, respectful, three words that could apply to you as well. Thank you, Damien of the Shire Carrick. <laughs> Lovely talking, uh, Tegan of, of the Shire Taylor. <laughs> You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.